I want to read to you from uh, the book of Acts. Next Sunday marks Pentecost Sunday. And um, so I want to read to you from the second chapter of Acts. I'm actually going to read, starting around verse 41, what happens right after the Spirit comes upon the apostles and this multitude, this crowd, is affected, some would say infected, by the Spirit and the power of God. Verse 41 of the second chapter of Acts. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. From this text I want to preach to you on the title, Revolutionary Community. Revolutionary Community, or for a subtitle, Going from a crowd to a community. Going from a crowd to a community. I um, have been privileged over the last few months to be able to travel and do some speaking at some fairly large churches. I happen to be on staff at a church of around 1,600 people. I get to come here often and preach at a fairly large church. And as I've gone to some of these large churches around the country, I talk to people and I hear a theme in the church. That though people are excited about their church, excited about all the various ministries that come with being a part of a large-sized church, Excited about the staff, the building, the budget, all of the various opportunities to be involved with this large church that they are a part of. Many of these people, on the other hand, still cry out for a sense of community, a sense of belonging, relationships, people to depend on, people to get close to. The church in some ways has become such a crowd that many people, even though they're in the midst of 3,000, 5,000, sometimes 10,000 people, they still feel lonely. So instead of feeling a part of a family, the church has just been a vehicle to just be someone in the crowd. Another number, another name, And I don't think that was God's idea for the church. It's not that God dislikes crowds. 
It's not that God has a problem with large numbers, for we read here in this text that 3,000 were added to the number after Peter's sermon about Christ. And by the time we end the second chapter of Acts, it says that God added to their numbers daily. So it's not that God has a problem with something big, something large, a multitude. The issue is that's not the core identity that God has for the church. God's core identity and mission and vision for the church is not just to be large for large sake. Not to just be big to say, look what we got here. Ain't this great? This is beautiful. Though we may grow, God still wants community. God wants community, first of all, with you individually. God wants an intimate communion with you. God wants an intimate daily relationship with you. God wants communication. God wants communion. God wants community with you. And then he wants us together to have and sense and live out community with one another. Well, how do we do this? In this world that's full of crowds, in a culture that's addicted to the crowd, how do we build community? How can we be a part of something large and awesome but still make friends, still build meaningful relationships, grow, learn, love, sacrifice? I think this text here in the second chapter of Acts shows us how to do that. So what I want to do is I want to take some time to dissect these verses I read to you. I want to go through and I want to see if we can find a blueprint for going from a crowd to a revolutionary community of God. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. To devote yourself means to be faithful to, to be committed that that there's something in your being that says, I have to be here. I have to be a part of this. See, God never intended for the church just to be a weekly exercise. Just to be something you do because that's how you were raised. Your mom went to church or your dad went to church. They made you go. And so now you just find yourself going. And if you're going to go, you might as well go to a good one. You might have, I mean, if you're going to do this, why not go to one that seems like it's doing something? I mean, why just go to any old one? If you got to go, you might as well like it. But see, that's not God's intention for the church. The church, it wasn't meant to just be a weekly ritual. It wasn't meant to just be a tradition. It wasn't meant to be something you tolerate or that you do to keep yourself out of hell. The church was so, it is meant to be so much more powerful than that, so much more transforming than that, so much more awesome and great than that. Something that the church should be something you'd want to devote yourself to. There's something about it. You can't explain it. You can't put words to it. You can't put your finger on it. But there's something about this place called church. You can't get away from it. You can't escape it. You find yourself being drawn to it. You find yourself wanting to be there, wanting to go. You, you just you, you feel like like life's not complete if you're not a part of this community. 
Well, what is it they devoted themselves to? What were they committed to? It says the apostles' teaching. And the apostles' teaching was the teaching of Christ. If you want to go from a crowd to a community, we have to resolve who is Jesus. No, who is Jesus for real? Who is Christ? Who is this Savior, this Redeemer? If you want to go from a crowd to a community, you have to wrestle with who is Jesus. And we must wrestle together. We must walk together. We must walk this path, this journey, trying to figure out the fullness of who is Jesus, the real Jesus. Not a cartoon Jesus, not an Americanized Jesus, but the true Jesus, the rock, our salvation, our redeemer, our logos, our word, our revelation, our wisdom. I can't, I can't put my life into a Jesus that's just a good idea. You know, some people are trying to make Jesus just a nice teacher, a good guy, a mystic. A spiritual person. Look, for the stuff I'm dealing with in my life, I need more than just a nice guy. I know a whole bunch of nice guys, but when I'm in the storm, nice guys can't help me. I need more than just a mystic. I don't need Sister Cleo's psychic hotline. I need something. I need more than a tarot card and some witchcraft. I need something that'll stick. I need something that's everlasting. I need something that will take me from age to age, from day to day, from year to year. I need Jesus. You know, this guy, Mike Iaconelli from You Specialty, says, Jesus didn't die so that we would be nice people. So that we'd get good SAT scores and be captain of the cheerleading team and be captain of the football or basketball team. Jesus didn't die so you'd be nice. Jesus died so that we would be a part of a revolutionary, transforming, countercultural community. And we better resolve who this Jesus really is. It says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Fellowship is where we find the Greek word koinonia which means to participate, means sharing. It means to contribute. The church was never meant to just be a place where you sit in the crowd and you observe. The the, the church was never meant for you to be an audience member, just taking it all in. You know, just, just saying, hey, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, you know, hey, do something. Come on now, I'm giving you an hour and a half. Come on, do something. Sing something, say something, pray something, do something. That's not what the church is about. The church was not meant for you to come and be an audience member. You can do that at a football game. You can do that at a concert. You don't need the church, you know, so you can sit in a row and be in the audience. The church was meant to be a community where we all participate, where we all contribute. Will we all share? Everyone in this place, you have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities, you're special, you're wonderfully made, you're unique, there's no one like you, and we will never experience the true fullness of the kingdom of God until you participate. This is not a place where men just lead. We need women, too, in leadership. You have a word. You have a voice. You have gifts. And we will never experience the fullness of God until the women, the daughters of God, step out on faith and show us what you got. 
It's not just a white thing. We will never experience the fullness of God if it's just white people telling the story. We need Latinos and Asians and African Americans. We need the whole spectrum of God's creation in this community. If you want to go from a crowd to a community, then everyone must feel ownership. Everyone must have a voice. Everyone must participate. You you have a gift in you. You have talents in you. What are you waiting on? Don't stand in the crowd. Don't sit in the audience. God wants to use you too. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The problem with the church is there's too few people doing all the work. When we need the mass and the multitude, if we could collectively bring our gifts and talents together, the supernatural synergy would be unbelievable. You would not be able to contain it. Cities would change. States would be turned upside down. Countries would be revolutionized if we would come out of the crowd and into the community. It says that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. If you want to go from a crowd to a community, we must break bread together. The breaking of bread represents communion. It's realizing that the body of Christ was broken for us. The breaking of the bread represents the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus died. Jesus paid the price. Yes, Jesus rose, but to deal with the resurrection of Jesus, we must fully understand the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus. The body of Jesus was broken so that we could live. And in community, we are called to be crucified with Christ. Which means if you want to be a community and not a crowd, we all have to be willing to die to some things. If we're going to be a Christ-centered, multi-ethnic, revolutionary community that transforms the greater Twin Cities, then we have to be willing to die to some things so that we can make sacrifices so that we can be one. We all have to die. There's some things I have to die to so that we can be a community. There are some things you have to die to. There may be some traditions. There may be some issues in the past. There may be some unforgiveness. There may be some pride. There may be some labels. But we have to die so that we can live together in community. Look, if I have to die, you have to die too. I don't want to die by myself. I'm serious. I mean, you remember those old cowboy movies? When one cowboy would get shot and die by himself, he'd be like, (coughs) you go ahead, Elroy. (coughs) I'll be all right all by myself. (coughs) Tell Ma and Pa everything's going to be okay. (coughs) No, if I get shot, I'm going to be like this. (coughs) You get shot too. (coughs) Shoot him too. That's the one you wanted. Shoot us all. Shoot yourself. Let's all die together. I don't want to die. Don't leave me here by myself. (laughs) If I got to die, you got to die too. If we're going to be the Christian community, we have to die so Jesus can live. Jesus can't reign. Jesus can't live if we won't die to isms and traditions and issues that aren't even a difference between heaven and hell. 
We are holding on to things that mean nothing. They're superficial. They're plastic. They will not survive beyond this earth. So we must die to labels, to issues, so that we can be one in Jesus. It said they were devoted to prayer. If you want to move from a crowd to a community, we need an atmosphere, an environment that is filled with prayer. Not only praying for ourselves, but praying for one another. I don't know about you, but I go through issues. I need people praying for me. I need people holding me accountable. I need people asking me hard questions. I need people asking me, how is your marriage? How can I pray for it? How can I pray for you as you raise your children? How can I pray for you that you would live out God's destiny for your life? What's wrong with sitting next to somebody on a Sunday morning and say, hey, I don't know you, but since you're sitting here, how can I pray for you this week? And and, and while I'm doing that, here's some stuff you can pray for me. I won't give you the whole list, but here's a couple. We need to be praying for one another. We need to sense each other's needs. We need to be compassionate towards one another. We need to care. We need to ask somebody how they're doing and stay there long enough to hear exactly what's going on in their life. We need to intercess for one another. We need to stand in the gap for each other. We need to travail for one another. We need to be transparent enough to say, look, I can't break this stronghold in my life unless you seven people are praying for me. I'm not, too, I, I'm not too prideful to have people lay hands on me and pray. I, I, I'm not so macho that people can't break me down with the love of prayer. I need to pray, and I need to be prayed for. It says everyone was filled with awe. If you want to move from a crowd to a community, we need to be in awe of God. No, not just like God. Not just that God is cool, we need to be in awe of God. This creator that could say, let there be light, and in darkness there was something. This God that could make dry bones live. This God, this God who invades our world, this Redeemer, this Victory, this Jehovah Jireh, this Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the Lord our victory, the Lord our salvation, this Lord of Lords, this King of Kings, I cannot love Him and I can't live without Him. I just, this God, I'm in awe of God. I'm amazed at God. God trips me out. God amazes me. I, I can't tell you what I think about God. It's too big. It's too awesome. I'm in awe of God. The problem with most churches is they can't be in awe of God because they're too busy being in awe of people. It's hard to be in awe of God if you're in awe of your pastor. It's hard to be in awe of God if you're in awe of your worship leader. It's hard to be in awe of God if you're in awe of a television evangelist. If you're in awe of yourself. If you're in awe of a political party. If you're in awe of a corporation, if you're in awe of your stocks and bonds, I mean, if you're in awe of your house, if you're in awe of your car, see, we we make little gods out of people and things, and so we can never place awe where it's supposed to be on an awesome God. Awe, awesome. I'm not awesome enough for you to be in awe of me. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I mean, yeah, I know I'm a cute, funny guy, but don't be in awe of me. Don't be in awe of me. Look, I love your pastor. Greg Boyd, oh man, he's cool. I just, I just love when he gets all energetic and he goes, you don't know, no, and it's this, and it's this, and 
I love when it does that. But do not be in awe of Greg Boyd. Greg all no. If you want to be in awe of something, be in awe of the God who works through Greg Boyd. Don't be in awe of this building. Be in awe of the God who says that is not a blue light special building. That is my sanctuary. Bam! That's an awesome God that will turn a Kmart into a temple. That's an awesome God. I'm waiting. What are you going to do next? He's going to take the Mall of America and turn it into something super... He'll take a gas station. Good Lord, that'll preach. If he can take a Kmart, just think what he'll do with me and you. With, 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 with life in us. If he can take a run-down, raggedy building that always has something on sale, just think what he'll do with me and you. I'm in awe of God. If you want to be a community, you need to be in awe of God, not man. People can draw crowds. Only God can build community. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done. The word wonders comes from the Greek word teres, means miracles. When, when you are a community, you recognize that God still works miracles. See, when you're in a crowd, you're not paying attention to what's really going on. But when you're in a community, you know that God's a healer because you see it for yourself. See, when you're in the crowd, you're too far back to see what's going on. You can't tell if God is doing anything or not. You don't know if God is a miracle worker, if God is a healer, if God has revelation because you're in the crowd. So you really can't see. But when you step out of the crowd into the community, you go, oh, my gosh, her body was healed. The doctor said she was supposed to die in five months, and now it's five years, and she's still living. Oh, my goodness. He lost his job. He has no job, but yet God has met his needs for the past two years, even though he's unemployed. How is that? There are people of different races together. In one. See, when you're out of the crowd and in the community, you see the wonders of God. You see the miracles of God. You will know for yourself that God's a healer, that God's a redeemer, that God can make something out of nothing. It says all the believers were together. And had everything in common. If you want to move from a crowd to a community, we must work towards unity. I'm just going to be real with y'all. I'm going to be transparent. I'm sick and tired of the divisions in the church. I can't take it no more. I'm not going to pretend anymore like it's okay. I'm not going to act like it's all right. I'm not going to smile and say, well, you know, we're going to be separate down here, but we'll be together in heaven. No, this whole division of race and denomination and liberal and conservative is not of Jesus. It's not of God. Now, if you want to debate me, you can take this Bible, and as soon as you find Methodist and Lutheran, then I'll shut up. As soon as you find white people and black people in this book, I will hush. But until then, ah, I'm sick of it. We, we can't be in the same building, no. We can't be in the same country, but we can be unified. 
We, there ought to be common ground between the believers of Christ. We can no longer afford to live by labels that God never intended for us. If you can't find the word white man and white woman in the Bible, then you can't wear that label. If you can't find black people in the Bible, you can't wear that label. Now, you can be German, you can be Irish, you can be African, you can be Hmong, you can be Latino, but we can no longer afford to wear labels and carry around names that God never intended for us. Why are you walking around with this heavy load of names, of labels, of titles, of definitions that God God never intended for you. We need to strip off. I am not that. What I am is a citizen of heaven. I'm a child of God. I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood brought out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Call me by my real name. That's not my name. Don't call me black boy. That ain't my name. Call me my real name. I'm a citizen of heaven. You'll know who I am. I ain't arrogant, but you better know who I am. Know me. You can know me ethnically, you can, but most important, know me spiritually. I have a title that goes beyond this earth. I have a, a, I have a, a mission statement. I have a purpose statement. I have an identity beyond this world, and I want to be called by my real name. I'm a child of God. And if we could all come to that realization, we could be one. We could have things in common. We would realize that we're not as different as we say we are. Why do we have to wait till we're dead to say, you know, hey, we're not that different. We die the same. Everybody's heart stops beating. Everybody's brain shuts down. Everybody gets put in the coffin and in the ground. Oh, man, we're kind of the same. Don't wait till death. Why can't we realize in life that God created one humanity? And yes, it's a diverse humanity. But hey, our diversity is just a way to be in awe of God. We are so in awe of how diverse you've made us. And we all have to contribute based on how we were created as one humanity. It says selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. If we're going to go from being a crowd to a community, we must be sensitive to the needs of the people in the body. We must be sensitive to the needs of people outside the body. If you're going to be a community, you have to understand that people have needs, and you have needs, and God created the church as a place to meet needs. I didn't say meet wants, but meet needs. Well, I want it. Well, you know, do you have enough money to buy that? You know, well, I want it. No, I said the church is supposed to meet needs. The essential needs of shelter, of food, of clothing, of health care. The church ought to be meeting the essential needs that every human being, if, you, if, if the public schools isn't doing a great job, the church is supposed to build educational facilities. If the health care system has failed, the church is supposed to build a health clinic. The church must meet the essential needs of people's spirit, soul, and body which means we have to be sensitive to each other's needs. 
We have to research needs. We have to care about needs. Are we meeting the needs of all of our brothers and sisters in the body? Let's look at the surrounding neighborhood. Are we meeting the needs of the neighborhood around the church? Are we meeting the needs of the city that God has put us in? You are blessed, Woodland Hills. You are blessed with staff. You are blessed with budget. You are blessed with facility. You are blessed with vision. You are blessed with mission to fulfill the needs of people. You can meet people's needs as long as you allow an awesome God to be in control of the church. You're not a crowd. You're a community. It's that every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The church was not meant to just be a Sunday morning experience. A community should have daily ramifications. We ought to be breaking bread together. We ought to be eating together. Everyone in here, you have gifts and talents and abilities. And meeting needs means that we ought to be breaking bread daily. We ought to... There should be no lonely people in the church. How can there be people in the church that say, I don't have no friends. I don't have nothing to do. I'm lonely. Nobody cares about me. Nobody reaches out to me. How can that be? Look, there ought to be somebody at this church in charge of throwing parties. Yeah. Some of you, I mean, you don't want to say nothing out loud. Like, you don't want to admit it. But before you became a Christian, you were good at throwing parties. I mean, we're not going to talk about what kind of party it was, but you knew, man, you knew how to party. You had the anointing of partinessness. I mean, you, you knew how to finger pop. You knew how, you, you knew how to get a whole bunch of people to your dorm room in college. You knew how to get 110 people in a three-bedroom apartment. You did it before. You know how to throw a party. Why not throw parties for Jesus? So that lonely people can come into community and break bread together. The first miracle that Jesus performed on earth was at a party. Why can't lonely people find safe havens and parties in the church? There should be no lonely people in the church of God. There should be no friendless people in the church of God. We are not a crowd. We are a community. And it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Sisters and brothers, God wants to take you from a crowd to a community. God is not into crowds. That's our world culture. See, we are in a culture that glorifies crowds. So you can be an athlete and you can live however you want to live, say whatever you want to say, be hypocritical, but as long as you draw a crowd, it's great. You can be an actor and you can go through multiple relationships, you can abuse women, you can abuse alcohol, but as long as you draw a crowd at the box office, our, our culture, they applaud you. 
You mean you can be a boxer and you can bite somebody's ear off and you can abuse women, but you can still get your boxing license because you know how to draw a crowd. What kind of sick culture do we live in that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do as long as you draw a crowd, we applaud you? No. You can get killed in a crowd. You can get suffocated in a crowd. You could die in a crowd. You could lose your soul in a crowd. You could lose your identity in a crowd. You could lose your marriage in a crowded life. Do you know you could be in a crowd with your little children and you could lose them? Have you ever been in a crowd with your children and you looked around and for a moment you didn't even know where your child was and, and all of a sudden you were panicked and you were looking for your child and finally it came across a loudspeaker. Mr. Johnson, we have your son at aisle seven. Have you ever been panicked in a crowd? Have you ever felt claustrophobic in a crowd? Have you ever been in a crowd before and felt like a nobody, felt like nothing, felt like all your dreams had been taken away because you're just in a crowd? Have you ever just lived your career in the crowdedness of life? You're in the crowd of corporate America. You're in the crowd of the college campus. You're just in the crowd, and you're grasping for love, for affirmation, for identity, and you just want out of the crowd. Well, I got good news for you. We serve a God that pulls people out of the crowd. That's my God. You know, God spoke to a multitude of people one day, a crowd. And the next thing you knew, Jesus took fish and bread and multiplied the fish and bread and turned the crowd into a community. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine this multitude of people all of a sudden getting into small groups and breaking bread together and eating fish together and learning each other's names and said, man, I didn't even know where you were from. Man, we live right around the corner from each other. Man, our kids grew up together. Hey, I know your uncle. Hey, your mom knows who I am. Could you imagine this multitude of people that Jesus saw them as a crowd but saw beyond the crowd and transformed the crowd into a community? That's what God wants to do in this church. God is in the business of calling people out of the crowd. God wants to call you out of the crowd of your depression. God wants to call you out of the crowd of your fears. God wants to call you out of the crowd of your arrogance, out of the crowd of your intellect, out of the crowd of your doubt. God is calling your name. God is calling you to step out of the crowd. God is singing love songs to your soul. God is calling your name. God is saying, come on, come here. I love you. I know you. I created you. I care so much for you. Don't live life in the crowd. Come on, come on out. I know it's hard. I know it's a risk. I know it's dangerous. But if you take one step, I'll take the rest. There was this woman in the Bible with an issue of blood. She had gone to doctors. Some of you, you have issues, and you've gone to every place you know. You've gone to counselors. You've gone to social workers. You've gone to doctors, and the report is always negative, and you feel like you're just in a crowd of sick people, a crowd of angry people, a crowd of depressed people, a crowd of single people that want to be married, a crowd of a college student that's trying to figure out what to do with your life. But if you're like that woman with the issue of blood, do not be satisfied with the crowd. The crowd is not okay. Do not 
be addicted to crowd. Press yourself through. Push people aside. Depression, get out of my way. Fear, get out of here. Arrogance, get out of the way. Intellect, get back. I'm going to press. I'm going to crawl. I'm going to get through this crowd, and I'm going to touch Jesus. I'm going to touch my Redeemer. I'm going to touch my Savior. And when I touch Jesus, I'm no longer in the crowd. I'm a revolutionary, radical, countercultural saint of Jesus Christ. Oh, you can stay in the crowd if you want to, but I want Jesus. I've been in the crowd. I've tried it my own way, and it doesn't work. What about you? Maybe today's your day to come out of the crowd. Pray with me. With all eyes closed, just focus on you and God right now. If there's someone here today and you've been living life in the crowd, living life your own way, and you're suffocating, it's hard. The stress, the strain, the pressure of going with the crowd. If you know that God's been calling your name, You've never given your life to Christ before. You've been checking things out from the crowd. But today you want to step out of the crowd into the community of Jesus. Don't wait any longer. If you're a mother here today, and here it is Mother's Day, and you know what? You have been under the weight of doing it all. You're working inside and outside the home. You're at your office, then you're at home. Maybe you're a single mother. You've been mother and father all these years to those kids. You've been in every sports game. You're driving a minivan around like, you feel like a minivan's your second home. And you've been in this crowded life of motherhood. And today God is calling you into the community. Into this wonderful light. If that's you, sister or brother, And you want to give your life to Christ today. You want me to pray for you the prayer of salvation. If that's you, would you just lift your hand in the air? Just lift your hand up in the air if that's you. Amen. Amen. I see that hand back there. Amen, brother. Anybody else? Just say amen, brother. I see that hand. Amen. Amen, sister. Anybody else? Just lift your hand. Say, today's my day. Amen. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. Amen, sister. Amen, brother. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. But I want to address another group of people in here. Those of you that are Christians, you've been going to church for a while, but you've been sitting back in the audience. You know that God has a call on your life. Yeah, maybe you're not an ordained minister and you're not going to go to seminary, but you know that God has called you to use your gifts. And you've just been sitting back in the crowd, but you can't fight it anymore. You have to use your gifts of hospitality, of administration, of worship, of prayer. There are people at your job, people in your family, people in your neighborhood that are waiting for you to step out of the crowd into the community of healing and wisdom and revelation and deliverance. And if you're sitting here and say, you know, Ephraim, I can't fight it no more. I've been fighting this thing for years now. I know that God has called me out. If you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what? 
I've got to come out of the crowd of life into the community of ministry. I know God has a ministry for me, whether it's on my job, with my own family, in my neighborhood. If that's you, and you'd like me to pray with you this morning, just raise your hand. I know God. Amen. 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 All right. I'm going to ask you to do one favor for me. I know this takes a little risk. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm I'm just going to ask you, if you raised your hand for either one of those things, would you just stand where you are? Because I'd just like to see you as I'm praying for you. I want to see my brothers and sisters. Amen. Those of you believers sitting down, you can open your eyes because you might be sitting next to somebody that you need to be praying for right now as I'm praying. First of all, let's give God a hand clap for these sisters and brothers. Amen. Now I want to pray. For those of you that stood to accept Christ for the first time, just repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've been living in the crowd, living my own way, in my own sins, in my own stresses. But I realize today that you died on a cross and rose again for me so that I could have eternal life, so that I could step out of the crowd, forgive my sins, forgive me for staying in the crowd so long, but I thank you for calling me out. I thank you for loving me when nobody else did. I thank you for caring about me when I didn't think anybody else did. Receive me now. I invite you into my life. Make a community in my heart. And for those of you that stood up because God has called you to step out of the crowd and to use your gifts for ministry, I want to pray for you. Dear Lord, I pray for these sisters and brothers. You have gifted them. Within them, there is so much talent, so much ability. Some of them are worship leaders. Some of them are administrators. Some of them have gifts of hospitality to throw the best Jesus party we've ever seen. Some of them are writers. Some of them are prayer warriors. But they all collectively are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out of the crowd of darkness into the wonderful light of community. Help them to get past fear or doubts or whatever it is that's holding them back from fulfilling your destiny. You say in Jeremiah chapter 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You say later in Jeremiah that I have plans for you, plans for your success and your future. Reveal to them the destiny that you have laid out for them, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For those of you that accepted Christ for the first time, there are some staff here from Woodland Hills that are standing in the back. They have some information for you, would love to pray with you. They want to welcome you into the new community right now. Others of you, maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. 
There are issues that you need to give over to God. There are things that you need to pray about. There are staff here. There are lay people that would love to pray with you. They would love to support you and let you know right now what community is all about. Sisters and brothers, you don't have to live life in the crowd. You're not just a number. You're not a faceless, ordinary person. You are God's awesome creation. And God wants to remind you every day in the revolutionary community. God bless you and thank you again for letting me come here and share with you.